Good morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see each of you. Hope and pray you've had a good week. Hope and pray that the Lord's been good to you. As one, somebody's already said, he's let us breathe his oxygen today, this last week. And that's good. That's good. God knows everything. He, uh, he is so great, and I know that our mindset sometimes is that, well, I did this, and, and I got it hid from God. <laughs> but I just read in Romans, in the day when the secrets of men shall be made known. And so God does know everything, and and God uh, provides good things. All good and perfect gifts come from the Father above. And I appreciate that. Let me say I'm glad to have each of you. And I hope, uh, hope it'll be a blessing today. My intent when I teach is not for you to look at me as some great, old gray-headed man. But I am gray-headed. White-headed, one person said. That's right. But my motive is to present the Word of God. I was reminded a few minutes ago, Hebrews 9.27, And as is appointed unto man wants to die, and after this the judgment. So all men die, and everybody here knows that. Go by the cemetery, and you see all them headstones there, and... Our loved ones put those headstones up uh, for two reasons, usually, to remember uh, the person that's lying there and as a memorial to the person. But that headstone has got another witness. That witness is that someday I'm going there, someday you're going there. And... uh, I didn't say that to make you sad, but I said that to get us into reality. I want to talk to you this morning from St. John chapter 1. I I have to tell you that I intended to go forward this morning, but I can't. I, I can't do it. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to cover some stuff that I read last week, and and I want to uh, I want to I want to if the Lord allow me in your presence, I want to present some more truths about this. Now, uh, I said last week that uh, Apostle John wrote this, and Apostle John uh, in history, uh, people. Uh, there are there are some thoughts that that John outlived all the rest of the apostles, and that he, uh, uh, of course, he was on the Isle of Patmos, and uh, he was there uh, as as a banishment for preaching the gospel. Now, in America today, so far, our Constitution allows us to preach the gospel. 
It allows anybody to practice their religion. And, uh, and our forefathers fought for that. And you young people, I know you're not taught it in school, but the Constitution is probably the greatest document ever written by man besides the Bible because it guarantees you certain inalienable rights that, uh, that governments down through history have not allowed men to do. And some people say, well, I don't, I don't think that uh, they'd cut us off here in America. We're used to this. Read my lips. They would cut you off if they can. They still believe in it. They're just restrained from doing it. So in our lesson this morning, I want to talk about, I want to talk about uh, when uh, the Apostle John, he wrote about John the Baptist. And I want to talk about him a little while this morning. If you look at verse 6 in chapter 1 of John, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. I want to dwell on that little verse just a minute, or for a few minutes. Uh, if we read, if we read history, even biblical history, we find out that the last book in the Old Testament was Malachi, and in our codex of scriptures and books. The date of Malachi was the last date of any of the script, any of the books in the Old Testament, and and we think, according to a research made, that Malachi happened about 400 B.C. So we had a space where God and and some of the Bible commentators call it the silent space. As far as we know, God didn't say anything to anybody. As far as we know. So you had about 400 years there. And God has got a, God's got a, a group of people on the earth that he's favored. And they're called the Israelites. He's favored them. He's called them my people. He has written books. I uh, had had uh, prophets to come to them. He's had uh, uh, Bible writers to write to them, instructed them over and over and over how to obey him. But when he gets to Malachi, he don't say anything. Now, 400 years is a long time to me and you, but it's not a long time to God. So he had silent years. So we find this scripture, we find this verse here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. For a few minutes this morning, I want to turn you over to Luke. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter 1. And I want to read <clears throat> some unique things about this man. I want to read, I want to read a few verses about this man. If we go to Luke chapter 1, and I hope you turn there, let's look at verse 5. 
There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. All right, now, 400 years, God hadn't said anything. The, the truth of God, from a standpoint of, of many people, it's getting pretty thin. But there are people that are still holding out for God. Now, according to the law, they were blameless. And, and uh, uh, Zacharias, he was a priest. We're going to find that out. Okay, let's read verse 7. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I think I've made this statement before. People say, I'd like to see an angel. When When I read in the Bible, when real angels appear to people visibly, they are frightened. Uh, reference Daniel. Gabriel showed up. He fell over. You say, what causes that? I think it's their holiness. They're holy from God. And, and, and people think they want to see an angel. But he, if one would really show up, it would scare you to death. Just the awe. The awness, the greatness of an angel of God. See, that proves our frailty. That proves how far away from God we are. But I just wanted wanted to take note of that. Now let me read verse uh, 13. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. I know of only two persons in the Bible that was filled with the Holy Ghost from their mother's womb. That was John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know this was uh, not normal. This was unusual. But I'm back to I'm back to the verse I read in John chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So, so there was a reason that John was sent from God. See, 
Israel was in a declined position. As you read the Gospels, you find out how declined they were. We run across the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which were uh, false religion people. You know, in the world today, and people think I'm criticizing when I say this, but I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. There is true religion and there is false religion. And the devil don't care. The devil don't care what a man believes just so he doesn't repent and trust Christ. I mean, you can believe in Jesus. You can believe in in the prophets. You can believe the scriptures. But we, as, as people... We need to take the teachings of the Scripture. And I was talking to Brother Chris. I guess it was yesterday or the day before. And, uh, and I was telling him, when I get up before people, well, the burden that I've got is to try to deliver a message of how depraved human beings are. And a lot of people mistake that. They think I'm talking down to them. They think that I'm fussing at them. They think that I'm, I'm trying to agitate them. I'm not doing that. I'm sure, I, but I, I desire to tell us, me and you, how devoid we are of true holiness. That's why I quote the scriptures. Isaiah 64 All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Not when I see you. When God sees you. Man in his best state is altogether vanity. Not when I see you. When God sees you. And mankind needs to know that. You're not born knowing that. You're not born knowing that. We are born... And we grow up, and most of us thinks when we get in, as Brother Tollett said, the idiot stage, and he said that I didn't. <laughs> we think the world resolves around us. And I'm not trying to make you worthless. I don't mean that. But I'm trying to show you that you need God. You have got to have God. You've got to have him. Or else, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. See what I mean? Several weeks ago, I taught a lesson on the judgments that's coming. One of them is very sad. Where all the people that did not get saved, they are brought to judgment. And it says the books are opened. And all whose names were not found written in the books of life, book of life was cast in the lake of fire. I tell people every time I quote that, the word in that verse that gets my, gets my attention is cast. I've had a few brave persons say, 
Well, if I get up there and I find out I'm wrong, I'm just going to dive in to the, to, the, to the pit of fire. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's not reality to you yet. You hadn't seen the cauldron yet. When it becomes real, I think, I think the, the people there are going to, uh, can I use the word squeech or scream? It's finally dawned on them. I'm really going to hell. But, but, but what do you believe about it today? What do you believe about it today? See, Jesus Christ came to this world because God the Father sent him. We're going to read about that later on in this chapter. Don't know if I'll get it today or not. Why did he come to earth? I mean, in your thinking, did you, did you ever think why God sent Jesus to the earth? Do you know why he did? The law was given by Moses, but truth and grace came by Jesus Christ. That's in this chapter, but not today. But I, I wanted to forward to it. The law was given by Moses. Now, the law or any part of it cannot save your soul. The law was not given to save souls. The law was given to show us that we have transgressed against God. Now, me and my folks and you and your folks is what the Bible says. We've transgressed against God. Okay? Now, since I'm a transgressor by nature, what's going to happen to me when I come before a holy God? What's going to happen to me is I'm going to be condemned. Well, I hear, I've heard so many excuses. Well, Mr. Pollard, I've got this philosophy. I think God's a good God, and I don't think a good God would throw anybody into fire. Okay? Well, you can believe that. You, you can go to judgment with that. See how it stands up. And you're going to get up there and say, God, now I know you're good, and you're going to let me into heaven, ain't you? See, people have those ideas, and they get them from false notions. But we read in Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that's what the Word of God sent a message to me and you. Are we going to get it? Are we going to placate it? We're going to go around it and say, No, God, I know you're a good God. Let me talk you into liking me. God is so great, He don't even, He, he doesn't even consider that. What impresses God? You know what impressed God? His son dying on Calvary. 
That impressed God. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. See? And that's what all the New Testament is about, is trying to convince us that we are needy creatures. I go out and invite people to church, some, and I see on their face, I'm not needy. I'm not needy. I'm not needy. I don't need anything. I'm doing good. And probably in the flesh, they are. But what about eternity? See? One preacher preached, man came to this earth to prepare for eternity. Think about that. Think about that. Are you preparing for eternity? Are you doing that? See? Now God is... God is a good God. He's given you time to repent. I mean, yeah. He's so good, He's so good to me and you that He prevented us from having a fatal car wreck yesterday. Now, wait a minute. Before you jump on me, wait a minute. Somebody did. Because we read about one. They had a fatal car accident yesterday. That man's not here today. I'm sure if you'd have talked to him on Friday, he'd have said, he'd have said, yeah, I got plans for Monday. I'm going to go over to so-and-so and and buy me a, a, you know, a whatever. I'm going to Walmart's Monday. He's not going to Walmart. But far as we know, right now, me and you will be able to do that if God lets us live today. So I'm saying, God is good. He has let us remain unto today. See? Now can I say this to you as your friend? You are in church this morning. What if you're not saved? And I don't know who that is. Why don't you inquire into God's mercy? And say, God, I want to go to heaven when my life in this earth is over. And you can. It's free. It's free. But he was... He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. Remember what I said a little while ago, 400 years? God was sending this man on a mission so that he could turn some of the children of Israel, turn them to the Lord. That was his That was his message. That's what he preached. He turned them to the Lord, which we're going to find out later on. I won't get into that today. And and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, disobedient to the the 
wisdom of the just, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So God, okay, let, let me take your mind to the physical sense. Uh, when the President of the United States talks, does he just normally come out here and say, well, hello, I'm the President. How are you all doing today? Is that what they do? No. If he, if he appears in Texas, or if he appears in Kansas, usually the Kansas governor, or, the, or a United States senator, or some dignitary introduces him. There's a reason for that. That is to get people's attention. You see what I mean? So, so John was going to introduce Christ. People are going to inquire, John, who are you? Are you the Christ? No, I'm not the Christ. Are you that prophet? I'm not that prophet. Elijah. Well, who are you? I'm one crying in the wilderness. And he did. John was in the desert. He was introducing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, since I read the account of that, I want to go back to, I want to go back to John. I've got a little time left. And let me, let me uh, get into that. There was a man from God whose name was John. And I read to you that. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. And you notice light there's got a capital L. So that means a person that all men through him might believe. Remember a few minutes ago, I said you are blessed to be here today. You are blessed to hear the gospel today. You are blessed if you're not saved. You can get saved. He said, the same came to witness, to bear witness of that light, that all men through him might believe. That script, that, that verse there is not used by the Calvinists very often. Why? Because of that word all, A-double-L. All men through him might believe. Now, you can't be here and be lost and say, well, God's elected me to be lost. You can't be here and say that. Because that verse right there, if you believe the Bible, that verse right there said, bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, now that's John, but he was sent to bear witness of that light, that's Christ. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. What does that word what does that mean? He lighteth every man that cometh in the world. Okay? That means when you sit under the gospel, the word of God is declared. God sends a spirit to you sometime or another that gives you enough light to understand that you need a Savior. There's something that says, uh, I hope I don't die today, 
because I, I don't feel adequate to appear before God. You either have that or you will get it. That verse said you would. Now, it might, that, it's not going to put a rope on your neck and drag you down to the front of the church. It's not going to do that. It's just going to let your heart know. That's the light that God lighteth every person that cometh into the world. He gives you, he gives you the ability to see your inadequacy to stand before God when God when you do appear before God. And me are you, and me and you are going to appear before God. Someday. Me and you. May not be at the same place, but it's going to be the same person. So he lighteth as a true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. See, now there again, <laughs> that don't fit very good in Calvinistic philosophy. He lighteth every man. You say, well, Mr. Pollard, if he lights every man, why don't every man come? Well, Jesus answered that. He told a group, he said, you will not come to me that you may have life. All right, now, who was the person that wouldn't move? Was it God or was it man? See what I mean? Like I said the other day, let me say it again. I feel I need to say it again. When Jesus met the ten lepers, they hollered, you know, under the law, they had to stay separate. And they were there when a group of lepers said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. He said they were a, a way off. And I think he hollered back and said, go show yourself to the, to the priest and offer the offering Moses uh, 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 told us to do. And as they turned to go, they were healed. What if they said, no, we ain't going to do that. We want to do it ourselves. You think they'd have got healed? See, they believed the message that Jesus sent them. Go show you under, under that dispensation. Now, that won't work under ours. Under that dispensation, go and show yourselves to the priest and off the offer that Moses said. And as they turned, go read it. They were healed. Same way with the gospel. You, if you're lost, you are advised to repent towards God. Tell God, tell God, I'm not saved. I'm wicked. I need you. And trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you will get saved with all your heart. Now, you can't, you can't play a joke. God's not in the joking business. So, so we have to, we have to be in, we have to be engaged. See what I mean? He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Now, listen to this verse. But as many as received him, how do you receive Christ under the gospel dispensation? With your heart. 
With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made. To God, not me. See? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, let me say something. And if you don't get anything I said in all this lesson, get these words. You have to have, you have to be born from above. I won't get into Nicodemus today because I'm reserving that for later on if the Lord lets me continue. But Nicodemus said, Lord, how can I be born again? And Nicodemus thought like most of us think in the physical realm. But Jesus says that which is born of water, that which is of flesh is flesh, that which is of spirit is spirit. Everybody in this room has been born in the flesh once. That's right. They either had you go to hospital or, or somewhere where a midwife or a doctor or maybe your daddy or somebody delivered you physically and you were born. That's in the English language, that's called being born. But, but this is talking about being born from above. That is a spiritual birth. And it's not, it is not, please listen, it is not that I turn over a new leaf and I get a little better and I get a little better and I get a little better and finally God accepts me. That's not in the Bible. Now I'm for, I'm for everybody doing good moral things, but it won't take you to heaven. See? So, so he says here, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Well, Mr. Pollard, what must I do to be saved? Believe with all your heart. Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. See, but he's got to be a real person to you. He can't be a figment of Christmas. He can't be a figment of Easter. He's got to be, he is a real person. He walked on this earth, but he went back to heaven. Why did he go to heaven? To be a mediator for you and I before God. See, you and I in our flesh, we're still depraved. And we need a mediator. Amen. Now, and one preacher said, and I find this is right. Are you saved, people? If you didn't have a good mediator in heaven talking for you, falling from grace would be good doctrine. Right. We would fall. But we can't fall because he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Amen. You like that? That is so safe. You get that in your heart, you can just go to bed at night and just go sleep quick. You see what I mean? That's the good thing about it. And most religions in America 
has got you in today and out tomorrow. In today. Well, if you do, if you do good enough, we can't do good enough. Now, I'm not talking about when I see you. I'm not talking about when Brother Bell sees you. I'm talking about when God sees us. See, God's perfect. And you can't go to heaven without being perfect. One man said, I can't be perfect. I said, I can't either. But I got a perfect Savior. See, when you talk about Saviors, I always think about deep water. You fall in deep water, and you're a good swimmer, and it's about 100 yards to the bank, you'll probably make it. But if you was to be on a ship out in the middle of the Atlantic, and, and, and it sunk, and you got off the ship, and you was paddling around back there, and a feller come by in a, in a lifeboat and said, can I help you get in? You wouldn't say, no, I'm going to swim for it. Wouldn't you? I would. That's the way salvation is. You can't swim to shore in salvation. You can't do it on your own. You've got to have a Savior. You've got to have somebody pull you in the lifeboat. And Jesus stands ready. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what the Bible says. Well, I'm out of time.